for 11 years in a row. Ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. Information that you can't get anywhere else. And over three decades of Rosie on the House. Come on in, y'all. Welcome to my house. It's safe, it's comfortable, and it's virus-free. We are your Saturday morning happy place. We even sanitized the accordion. Yes, we did. And that's a hard job, Shaq. Oh, yeah. That's a hard job right there. That's not two minutes. No, it takes a lot longer. Oh, man. Good morning, y'all. In our effort to become every Arizona homeowner's best friend, We'll be doing everything we can to put a smile on your face this morning. And to get started, I want to get started like I got started last hour. I want to remind y'all of a few things. You know, I'm old enough to remember some things I want to remind you of. Do y'all remember the energy crisis of 1973? It was the first and the second oil shock. Remember those headlines? We were told... The global economy could not survive $1 a gallon gasoline. We were paying at the time 36 cents a gallon. And we thought the world was coming to an end. It didn't. Then the savings and loan crisis of the 80s and 90s, you know, the the epicenter for that was right here in the Southwest. One-third of the savings and loans associations in America failed. One-third of them failed. We thought it was the end of the world. It wasn't. We survived. How about the dot-com bubble where everybody was going to become millionaires overnight investing in dot-com Silicon Valley startup companies? They became known as the dot-com bombs. Over half of the dot-com companies failed. Now, three that didn't, you may have heard of. Amazon, eBay, and Google. How about, how about the George Bush and Al Gore election in 2000? At the time that happened, I had a remodeling company in Scottsdale that had over 100 employees. And the phone didn't ring for three months. It didn't ring for three months. But we survived. We've had a couple Black Thursdays in American economy history. 1929, 1987. 1987, the market fell 20% in one day. We survived. Came back to be the strongest stock market ever recorded. And how about the Great Recession, the subprime mortgage crisis, most recently experienced, where a lot of Arizona real estate pockets lost 60% of their value. We survived. Folks, we're going to survive this. And we're going to survive it with a smile on our face. And I heard a quote I want to repeat. Calm is contagious. All right? So... Let's keep our perspective, Uh, let's stay positive, and let's be the shining bright lights in our community. That's what we're here to do this morning. As we talk 
about your new most favorite place to be, your home. And, uh, man, I'll tell you the biggest silver lining of this is traffic. I get in the car and just drive around town <laughs> enjoying the fact there's no traffic. Every day is Sunday. Every day is I mean, Sunday morning. It's it's even better than yeah, Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> Man, oh, man. Air quality is good, too. Well, a lot of what we're doing by staying home uh, puts a microscope on the condition of our existing home. I have a sister with a home in north central Phoenix who recently was going to take an extended vacation to New Zealand. And while she was gone, she was going to do a house swap with another couple from the United Kingdom and they were going to stay in her house while they swapped this house and that house. And they were going to be in a house in New Zealand. Well, she says, if you ever want to verify the condition of your home, promise to rent it to someone for a month. <laughs> it changes the way you look at everything. And I think people are doing that. We've got uh, a lot of kids at home right now. And you know what, Lauren, we raised six kids and when summer's coming, you can plan for it, and you, you get them all signed up for camp, right? Yep. Uh, when spring break is coming, you plan a family vacation. But nobody was looking for this. So this is all unexpected. They're home, cramping the adult schedule, cramping society's function, and we're all trying to figure out how to survive it and make it work. I would tell people, ask your kids what they'd want done around the house. I bet you they got some pretty good ideas. We've brought Lauren Green in from Green's Home Design to just talk about how some projects should get started, the right way to get them started. Lauren, thanks for coming in this morning. Thank you for having me, Romy. Oh, you bet. Uh, you know, one of the first things I tell people all the time is before you start thinking too much or too long about any one project, be committed to doing it right. Be committed to doing it rosy right. And that's going to involve getting a permit. And I'm asked all the time, well, I don't need a permit for this, do I? Well, I don't need a permit for that, do I? I mean, if you knew how few things you could do at your house without a permit, you'd be astounded. Yep. Um, you know, there's uh, sometimes insurance, if you do something and add on, the insurance company won't cover the value of that uh, addition. Without a permit. Yeah. Um, and then when you might have problems when you go to sell a house, um, if you don't get a permit on that addition. Well, um, we, we tell people all the time when that home inspector gets there, you, you ask them, is there anything that doesn't look original here? I want to know about it. And then building permit records are kept at the building department. You call and give the address and say, I want to know if any building permit was ever pulled on this address. You're familiar with the SPUDS report, right? Yep. The seller declaration. Question 150 on the SPUDS report that you must answer when you list your home. Was all work completed at the home done with a building permit? Now, that's a yes or no question. Number 150. Were permits for the work required? If yes, question 151, were the permits for the work obtained? Please explain. <laughs> and I think yeah. I, I, I'm like on a one-man campaign to get realtors to push for this. They really objected to home inspections when they started. And then they got on board and they said, this is the best thing 
than sliced bread for us. Uh, now I wish they would get on board. Home inspectors ought to be giving analysis and opinions. Is this original? They always say the air conditioning equipment is model number such and such, such and such. That means it was manufactured at such and such a time. It's been in service this many years. Uh, and you can expect an air conditioner in Arizona last 12 years. So 60% of the value of this unit is depreciated. You should get a licensed, bonded, insured mechanical contractor to inspect the unit. That's the way all home inspections read. They ought to have a section in there. Was any work apparently not original? And encourage the homeowners to call and see if a permit was pulled. Yep. Um, there was a period of time where I had a home inspector's license, and uh, um, I could tell right away if if it wasn't permitted because something was done wrong. Yeah. You know, somebody hung the, the porch rafters from the end of the, <laughs> the roof overhang instead of putting them on top of the wall. Um, um, you see that one you can a tell. lot. Yeah. I, I, love, I love the ones when behind the door there's a drywall patch, and you can just barely see through the mud wire nuts. <laughs> somebody, somebody just packed a junction box full of tape and paper and mud. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I see that one more often than any. It's just, it's horrendous. You don't bury junction boxes. It's against the code. But let's talk a little bit about in a pulling a permit, Lauren. Um, you know, there's really two different perspectives. It's a whole lot different pulling a permit for work inside the house where you're not going to change the footprint at all. Those are, you may have a structural thing or two to address, but you pull a general permit for plumbing and electric, a little engineering if you're changing the load bearing, interior permits are a snap. Yeah, a lot of them you can get the same day. Um, just tell them what you're doing and changing like for like or, or something like that. They can usually issue them the same day. Um, but when you're changing the footprint of the house, um, yeah, then once we go outside, it changes everything. I mean, we can get bathroom remodeling permits online in 10 minutes with most of the cities. And all they want is an electrical and plumbing permit, but you can't go in and remodel a bathroom without an electrical and plumbing permit. And there are some of these speedy bathroom remodeling companies that advertise bathrooms in a day. You really can't do a bathroom mandate. No. Not legally. You got to have the inspections done. So we're here to kind of raise the banner of the objective of pulling permits to keep your property safe and legal. Now, when we're going outside the footprint, Lauren, we don't have time to talk it right now. We're going to go on a little quick break. But I want to talk about all the things the city considers and looks at. As soon as they, you know, or you mention, I want to pop out here, that raises a bunch of red flags to the city inspector. And I want you and I just kind of talk through some of those red flags and give people an idea of what to expect. You know, now, folks, I've been in this business 45 years, and people always think, well, we'll just get a variance. If I want to do something the city says you can't do, I'm just going to get a variance. In 45 years, I've gotten, I think, two successful variances. City council is predisposed to always say no. 
And I've applied for three variances in the town of Paradise Valley over 45 years and never got one. You you might as well just give up there. They, they aren't <laughs> going to give it to you. So variances aren't always the solution. <clears throat> and if you're looking for a solution to your vehicle, Sanderson Ford is offering 84 months zero interest. I've been sitting here at shop. That's that's free money. <laughs> seven 84 years. Four months. That's 80? free money for seven years. <laughs> Five years. Is that uh, right? I think okay. Seven. Anyway. Seven. 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 But, um, man, we're in a situation where we're going to need two vehicles here very quickly. My F one fifty is pushing three hundred thousand miles, <clears throat> and Tinley's turning sixteen in two months. And we uh, I go separate I will, directions I will in the you, morning. <laughs> I will tell you as a dad, Tinley takes priority over your 300,000-mile truck. <laughs> She's going to get that truck. I'll get my truck first. She'll get mine, and then when that one breaks, she can ride out the last uh, 20,000 miles to that 300,000, then we'll get her something. <laughs> However it works out, they'll both be from Sanderson Ford. There's nothing wrong with a hard hat and a hammer. Kind of blue and sticks this world together. Hands of steel and cradle of the promised land. God bless the working man. Oh, yeah. Whatever you're working on, your home castle or cabin, you can join the conversation. one 767 4348 That's one rosy for you. And in particular, this hour, or on the house hour, we have Lauren Green, Green's Home Design, who's talking uh, and can help talk us through the proper uh design permitting process that's required to get your home your project started the right way and we were talking about the benefits of getting it permitted when it comes to resale or like lauren said your insurance company might not uh extend the coverage of the extra value of this remodel or this addition that it's brought to your house because it wasn't permitted properly. And it's here with Lauren Green of Green's Home Design, where art and building science come together. Just what you're talking about. It's frustrating. Nobody wants to do it. But on the grand scheme of things and the time it takes to get a permit to the value that the projects to your home and, and the ease of resale, it's it's extremely foolish to to not permit. Well, we've all got skeletons in our closet. And there was a time when building permitting was such a bureaucratic pain in the neck. I would occasionally, long decades ago, overlook the need for one or two of them. (laughs) But not anymore. The cities have made, with the exception of Tempe, have made it (laughs) so... I was waiting for that. (laughs) Have made it so easy... So absolutely easy uh, and seamless. And it was it was City of Phoenix uh, with their Thursday night owners night that they started and Scottsdale with their one-stop shop. I mean, they just made it so seamless. There was no reason not to get a permit. Lauren, before we go there, we have a caller that wants to talk to you about the dilemma he's facing. Let's bring George into the conversation. Then we'll come back and talk about uh, permitting. George. Good morning, and welcome to Rosie on the House. How you doing, sir? Good. Yeah. What are you yeah, trying so, uh, to What are you I trying to a, tackle? Well, uh, here's a situation. I'm going to make a very, very long story as short as possible. Great. So, about two or two or three years ago, 
I I wanted to uh, uh, relinquish the easement uh, to uh, so I could build a build a shed on it, you know, uh, forty by a uh, forty by sixty. So uh, anyway, so I went to about a year uh, with the city. Finally, I mean, they couldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. They dragged their feet. Finally, I got an attorney. And the very next day, they were like, oh, Mr. Martinez, just come on in. It'll be 350 bucks. We'll get the paperwork ready for you. <laughs> so that, so that, that was round one. Now, the, 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 another year now it's, has passed, and I'm still in the middle of it, is the utilities. I got 10 utilities companies that I ha- they have to relinquish that, that, uh, that piece of, uh, of easement. Uh, so, uh, and some of them wanted, uh, surveyed, which is another, you know, could be $2,000, whatever to, to get it surveyed. Uh, and, but they're not even that company that, that requires all that is uh, $650 just for the paperwork. Yeah. Uh, and then of course the survey, another 20,000, bucks and they, and they don't even service my area. All right, George, hang on, hang on one second. Uh, I'm going to put you on hold. And we're going to address public utility easements. Uh, Lauren, how long have you been doing this work? 20 years or so. Okay. I'm at 45 years. Have you ever seen a public utility easement abandoned? Nope. Either have I. They won't give those up. Uh, City of Phoenix has done some of it when they abandon alleys. And they work in cahoots with utility companies to realign and reassess. But George, abandoning a public utility easement, you are taking on Goliath times, like you say, there are 10 utilities that all have access to that. You're taking on a squadron of Goliaths. And we'll come back and we'll visit more after this bottom of the hour break. But I wanted to catch you right there because, boy, if you were telling me it was an access easement, maybe there'd be some ways creative of, design. Some <laughs> creative design on that. But public utility easements. Lauren, I'm glad to hear you've had the same experience I, I have. I've never seen a lot of people try. Um, the only ones that I've heard that might be easy to get rid of is a patent easement. And, yeah. those, and those are access easements. Um which the utility companies would would have to look at, but but if the utilities already have something in the ground there, um, it's really going to be hard. Even overhead, yeah. I mean, if they've got anything in there at all, uh, we'll come, George. We're about restoring hope to all of society, so we don't want to rob you of your hope. But uh, I just wanted to give you a realistic picture of where you stand, and we'll come back and visit more with George. Uh, it is. It's surveying. It's attorneys. It's trying. It's being tenacious. Uh, but I want to try and point, paint a realistic picture of what you can expect when you're done with all this. Back with Lauren Green of Green's Home Design here at Rosie on the House. Bring it all back to your house from Rosie on the House. Got a project you want to try and get tackled in, about, and around your house, home, castle, or cabin? Give us a ring. Let's see 
if we can't put our 45 years of home building and remodeling experience to work for you. We're here with Lauren Green of Green's Home Design. Uh, Lauren is our Phoenix area Rosie certified uh, designer. Lauren, the thing I like about your plans is you spend enough time in the field, you know what we need out there. Yep. Um, <laughs> I've worked with contractors most of my career. Um, you know, like you, I started in architecture when I went to college. And uh, um, I found that I like CAD programs. And, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. And I did. Very addictive. I, I did a studio <laughs> project in, in CAD. And the architecture professor, oh, that's nice. And I'm kind of, oh, well, uh, maybe I need to do a construction degree instead. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. And, and uh, but I've come full circle back into the, into the design world and uh, um, working with contractors and, and getting feedback from framers and, and stuff. And, and we like to have, if, if the framer has to get out a calculator to know what he needs to build, then... Um, it's no fun. That's right. Well, <laughs> if a homeowner has a design they're thinking about a project in mind, how would they reach you, Lauren? Um, th my phone number, okay. 602-326-4061. Do you have that turned off right now? Yep. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead and give it one more time. 602-326-4061. All right, Lauren Green of Green's Home Design the Rosie Certified Home Designer for the Phoenix metro area. Let's see if we can bring George back into the conversation who's uh, having, a, having a, a challenge abandoning an easement. Uh, George, thank you for your patience, my friend. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay. Now, what I would like for you to do before you hang up is give Jennifer your address so that I can do a Googler look at where you are. And, and I'll do a plat map analysis, and we'll kind of see if there's any options. But what's the... Yes, sir. And uh, that easement is not... Uh, it doesn't... It, it, it's not being used by anybody. Uh, they did uh, two easements on, the, on my neighbor's houses on the north and on the south. And then they built houses behind me and in front of me. So it's impossible for them to, to use it. That's why the city gave it up so fast. And it literally took uh, three minutes for SRP. They took a peek at it and said, here you go. Emailed me the, the relinquishment. And it's the water company that doesn't want to? One that doesn't even service my area. Well, that, what? You know, that, would, <laughs> yeah. that would chap my britches. Well, you know what they... <laughs> <laughs> that would really chap my britches. You know what they say, <laughs> you know, out in the desert... <laughs> Whiskey's for drinking, water's for fighting, and if you've got water rights, there's a Phelps Dodge owns land all over that they don't even mind just because of the water rights that is deeded to that land. George, you've landed with a uh, an attorney that drafted something for you to get the city and, and SRP's attention, right? Well, SRP was was extremely helpful and the most professional utility company out there it literally like i said it took three minutes i i, I wow. called in they referred me to the right person they she uh, looked up my my uh, property and and uh and within two minutes i had the relinquishment in my email ready to print wow well i tell you what rather than take more time on this during the show 
We've got your contact information. I want to get in touch with you personally so that eventually I can say I had a part in getting a public utility easement abandoned. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. let's, let's bring the conversation back to Lauren Green where we're talking about getting building permits. We've talked really briefly about pulling building permits on the inside. If you're just doing a remove and replace bathroom, remove and replace uh, kitchen, even remove the living and dining room wall separation and getting a glue lamb up there. I mean, those are all really, really simple to get. But the minute you say, I want to go outside the footprint of my house, what are they going to be asked at the city? Um, well, the first thing is the setbacks. Um, I went to a job yesterday. The house was facing west, but their street is on the south side. And so okay. they're in the county, and the front of the house is <laughs> south, and the back of the house is north, even though the house faces west. Right, right. And so they wanted to add a bedroom to the north, but they were already at their setback on the north. Um, so we had to rethink and, and go to the east with their bedroom addition. Um, so you want to find out what those setbacks are. Um, every... Not only is every city different, but every zoning classification in every city is different. Yes. Lot size has a lot to do with determining what side yard setbacks are. Yes. Um, and if you're in an area that doesn't have sewer, um, you have to deal with the septic as well. Um, septics have to be 10 feet from all the buildings, even the addition. Um, even your neighbor's house. Yes, it, it's it's even worse if you have a well. Does that? Yeah, yes, it is. Yes. On that septic, does that include like a, a patio deck? Would it have to be ten feet away, or can I encroach on that? Yes, ten feet um, from the tank and from the leach field. Um, you can put your driveway over the tank if it's reinforced properly, but you cannot put the concrete over the leach field. Um, if you want to get to your detached garage over the leach field, don't put the concrete over the leach field because the leach field needs evaporation uh, to work properly. Set, um, setbacks surprise a lot of homeowners, and and they always want to argue what's the purpose. Because it's never important when you're buying the home. Who no, cares? That's right. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, that, and now I want to build a third-car garage freestanding, or I want to build that right. shop. It sounded like George wanted to do something like that. So, yeah, so I had a client that he went and asked the county, how close can my garage be to the property line? And they said five feet. Well, he attached the garage to his house. Now it's part of the main house. Now it has to meet the regular building setbacks, not the detached accessory That's building right. setbacks, which are different. Uh, so you have to look those up. And he'd already built it? No. Oh, oh okay. No, we, we you did. got there in time? We, we, we were able to change the design before he got his permit. Yeah. De define the word setback for those that are listening. Okay. Going, What's a setback? That's fair. Setback. Basically, the distance the building has to be away from the property line. Uh, not the street. The street is never exactly where the property line is. Or the fence may not be on the property line, but where your property line is. Um, so you'll have front and side setbacks, and then you'll have height restrictions as well. Uh, typically in Maricopa County, 30 feet 
for most houses is the height restriction. And when I see side yard setbacks impacting what somebody wants to do, it's usually adding a bath or a closet or a small addition to the side of the house. Front yard setbacks stop people from enclosing their carport and making it a family room or a garage and then extending another carport in front of that. No, 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 you can't do that. Some cities have a little bit of exception for that. Okay. To allow the carports or garages in front of the front porch. Very um, good. But you have to read them. <laughs> and then backyard setbacks uh, probably stop more additions than all of them added together, I think. It's the one yeah. we run into all the time. Especially if you have an alley. Especially. Yeah. I have a question. So something we've seen is, let's say, neighbors that home, owned the home before you did kind of agreed that they would shift property lines a little bit. And they did that. And things weren't permitted and they were built. So you you want to buy that property. And it's, what is your recourse? I mean, are you stuck with what the previous neighbors did? The, t- the title company will probably have a problem with that. If they send a survey out and see walls not aligning with property lines, I think the title, you have a hard time getting a title insurance policy. That's a possibility. And it depends on how long ago it was done. Mm. If it was done in the 50s um, and you're in the city of Phoenix, they may grandfather you in and and let you change your property lines or something like that. And those are the variances that we've been able to get through um, doing additions like that. But... uh, if it's been done recently and it wasn't properly recorded, because um, it's not just the city, you have to record your property line change with Maricopa County Recorder's Office. Um, so good things to think about when you're looking. I have one other kind of different question about that, too. What about if your neighbor gets a permit on something that you really want to fight? You know, I see it used to be in, in our area that everything was one. Hey, you do what you do on your house. I'll do what I do on mine. If I got a permit, back off. But what if your two-story yes. RV thing blocks my view I've had forever? Oh, I hate it. I know. I know. I've Our property south is a beautiful mountain range, and I keep telling them, Family, we should plant a row of trees. Why? It's going to take away our mountain view. I'm like, when those trees mature, we're going to look at the trees, not the house that's going to eventually be there. <laughs> I know. So. It's tough to find you, a permit. Usually your only recourse with that is to buy in a subdivision with CCNRs or an HOA, and that's the only recourse you have um, with your neighbor's permit. Well, that's the first time I've ever even been tempted and, to think about that, an HOA. And that, <laughs> yeah, would yeah. Only, that would only apply if... The permit violates the HOA, CCR, and CCNRs. If if it was still within right. what was allowed in that community, you couldn't do anything. Well, we've talked setbacks. We've talked about the the remove and replace permits. I think the other thing that takes a lot of people by surprise, Lauren, is nobody unless they've have unless they have a current problem with it, nobody ever stops to consider what impact the addition or the project could have on surface drainage. Right. It depends on your lot. A lot of people have flat lots, but there's a lot of houses around the valley that have hillsides um, or a wash going through their property. Um, so if that, if that addition changes the way the water flows on the site, then you probably ought to get a survey done and a civil engineer out there to, to uh, look at diverting that wash around the, the addition. 
you cannot cause a problem for people downstream of you. Right. Uh, nor does the city like you dumping the water that falls out of the sky on your lot back out onto their street. Some cities require on-site, on-site retention. Yeah. So you have to... Um, that's why in subdivisions you see those big basins that are built in. That's that's your water those, retention. Those are pre-designed before you do the whole subdivision. Yeah. Um, but in um, in the hill, I want to say Paradise Valley, they've increased the retention, and you have to keep it on your site. Um, you can't dump it into the common retention area. And many times when I go in to visit with a client, that retention area looks like the best area to put this addition, and I, I tell them. We we got to try and find another spot. <laughs> I know a home. It's an older home in Paradise Valley, and I pass by it every day when we go to the office. They have a wash that runs through the front yard. They actually built the house over the wash, and you can clearly see the uh, the wash under uh, the house come out. So it it flows right under when they have a heavy rain. It they do, and we're talking about permitting process all across the the Metro Phoenix area with Lauren Green of Green's Home Design, the Rosie Certified. Uh, home designer, his number is 602-326-4061. You can find him at rosieonthehouse.com under Trade Partners for Architectural and Drafting Services. We'll be back with Lauren right after this quick break. I wouldn't do my due diligence if I didn't ask Lauren Green. <laughs> I, I got to ask you, Lauren, how many people, when they hear your name for the first time, go, oh, Bonanza? Only the older people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't run into a lot of young people and know know what it is. <laughs> I that's grew what up the, watching it. That's what the that's Cowboy right. Channel's for. That's exactly. right. Or Ride TV. <laughs> We're here R-F-T. with Lauren Green of Green's Home Design. Uh, you can reach Lauren if you'd like to visit with him about a remodeling design at 602 602- Three two six four zero six one. Lauren, real quick, what what would a homeowner expect out of a, a remodel design? What's included in that? Typically, a set of plans would include a site plan, um, and then a foundation plan, a floor plan, a roof framing plan, two cross sections, electrical, mechanical, plumbing, and structural con- connection details. Um, now, if you're adding a new air conditioning unit, most of the cities will require um, a manual J calculation um, to properly size the unit and the duct. Um, so that's a typical set of plans. Um, now, if you have to deal with an HOA, there might be some others yeah, right. required. Um, and you virtually have experience with all the cities in town, right? Yep, pretty much all of them. Well, a, a common project, we talk about it, carport extension and the front yard setbacks. You mentioned some cities will even uh, be soft on that. How about in – How about in? I'm, I'm, I'm on a project right now where folks want me to put a price together. They have a 34-foot wide, 8-foot deep back patio that you step out of the living room, out of the master bedroom, down onto the patio, and they would just like to enclose that. That has some challenges too. It does. The 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 – Floor inside the new livable space needs to be same elevation as the floor inside your existing livable space. So that patio has to be you pour concrete on the old patio. Um, however, the new exterior wall has to have a twelve by twelve footer underneath it 
So you have to sock at the edge of the concrete, put a footer under it before you build the wall. Um, we support the patio roof with coal, coal posts and coal beams out of the lumberyard, yeah. remove all the support posts, sock at the concrete, pour the footing, back pour uh, the monolithic pour, and then put the support post back in. Then we can start thinking about turning it into a room addition. Yep. Um, and then whatever door comes out of that, addition you also have to have a minimum three foot concrete landing in front of it and an exterior light yes going out the, going the out back the door. of this new expansion um and then you also have to verify that the the new room that you created has proper lighting ventilation and egress and a lot of times when we're trying to incorporate that uh it's tough to get it and the folks want to try and keep the existing patio roof it's really tough to get efficient air conditioning and airflow out into that space. Yeah, if you just got a raftered patio roof, yeah, um, it's not you're not going to get ductwork out there, um, or your ductwork's going to be exposed to the sun and it's going to be an eyesore. Yeah, um, and very inefficient. Now, if you're in Sun City and the trusses go all the way from front to the back of the patio, it's yeah, baby, a piece of cake. Yeah, baby, Isn't the back the, the back wall is not a bearing wall, um, so you can knock it out. Um, if your back wall is a bearing wall, now you have to put a beam where your new opening is, um, which if it's wide enough, you may have to put footers under the each, each end of that beam. Yeah. Um, and that, saw cutting. Saw, the internal saw cutting, which is more than what you do on the outside. It, it impacts all your floor finishes. Now you're cutting through the tile. If you have your carpet, maybe you're a little lucky. You could fold it back and then fold it back down. But uh, all yeah. things to be thinking about. If you're contemplating, uh, thinking about a remodeling process, or you even do custom home design, uh, you can reach out to Lauren at Green's Home Design, 602-326-4061. Anything else we need to cover before we run out of time here in a quick minute? Engineering. Um, Right, engineering. Um, Typically... Um, you will need a structural engineer if anything in the home spans more than 20 feet. Um, so if you're adding new trusses, the trust company provides engineering for those trusses. If your new beam is going to be longer than 20 feet, then um, the engineer has to put his stamp of approval on the size of that beam and provide some calculations. Um, if you need a drainage plan, you'll need a civil engineer. Um, if you have a big enough house and you want to upgrade to a 600 amp panel, you'll probably need an electrical engineer. Um, we've had one where we had to uh, swap out a panel um, and we had to get and an engineer. Take an engineer. Yeah. Lauren, again, thanks for joining us here at Rosedale House. Lauren Green of Green's Home Design. You can find him at rosedalethehouse.com under uh, contractor selection. Just look under architectural and drafting services.